It's time for a motherfucking classic! Digibro Dervish being delivered to you by Artso Fartso. You know what I'm on about. It's the same old, same old. I'm on my anti-labels game. If you've been following my stuff for a long time, you're probably well aware. I am none too fond of labels, especially being attached to people. And the reason for that is I understand a little concept called descriptive language, which is what language is. Language is descriptive. People use it to describe things. And how language gets its meaning is through what it is being used to describe. So if some new object were to appear and we were all to say, that's a dingus, then the definition of the word dingus would become the object we described. However, if because the dingus happens to be shaped like uh, some dipshit's face, then we might refer to that person as a dingus. And it might be that that person's personality is that they're a dipshit. So dingus comes to mean the same thing as dipshit eventually, given enough time, through people just using it that way. That's how definitions of words have all come to be, every single one. Every definition works the same way. People describe something, therefore the word takes on that definition. Now, I hope you can already see how this is a huge problem when it comes to labels. How if someone labels themselves something, they are subject to whatever definitions that label happens to take on, which are whatever ones are being applied to it by people. Now, you could say you have, like, a personal definition. Everybody's definition on some level is a personal definition. I mean, at what point do we call it the definition of the word? Is that once it's been admitted into Oxford Dictionary? Is that once it has a Urban Dictionary page? Like, when does it become the definition? It never really does. It's a nebulous thing. It always is. All of this stuff, everything with language, is always nebulous, always in the ether. But it's in that ether that you can dig through and discover things. So, for instance, let's talk about a Twitter war I got into this morning, because that's always what the Whirling Dervish is about. If you're ever wondering, why does Digibro get so fucking upset about weird random shit that I never hear about at all? It's because I'm on Twitter, and that's all Twitter is. Is... Airsats pundits representing 2% of the population. That's what I'm going to call it every time from now on because there was that study about it where they described it that way. And I just think that's really funny to say over and over again. So I'm on Twitter and my good old buddy Ben Saint is tweeting about how he loves fucking Antifa or whatever um, because he just wants to have every possible leftist opinion. That is his current brand. That is what he's on mission for. So... He's talking about that, and the way he puts it was basically something to the effect, something to the effect of that, um, you know, he supports Antifa because fascism is bad. And I responded, that's like supporting McDonald's because hunger is bad. So let's deconstruct what do I mean by this. First of all, that, uh, you know, McDonald's is a solution to hunger, it is potentially a, a, you know, something that can give you food, it's just not the best way to get it. It's not the best way to cure hunger. 
In fact, it might be one of the worst ways to cure hunger. And that is the parallel I'm drawing to Antifa. Yes, they are anti-fascist, and if you hate fascists, then you want to be anti-fascist, but there are better ways to go about performing anti-fascism than what Antifa does. Now, this is where things got quickly interesting and complex, because Antifa is a group that's perceived in a lot of different ways, because it is a label, and this is what happens to labels, is that they take on tons of different definitions based on everybody who is labeling themselves and everybody who is observing the people who have been labeled. So, for instance, let's talk about a a term that has gotten so divisive at this point that I, I think it's only really being used in the mainstream. I don't even see people like really talking about it in the in the depths of the internet but maybe I'm just blind maybe I'm not in the right circles but uh feminism feminism obviously is a a very broad and reaching term that can be used to describe a lot of things and there's a lot of stuff that you would obviously describe as feminism however there came a point at which feminism had been polluted as an ideology because the people who are saying that they represent feminism, represent something that is different from the broadest idea of what it is. So you had a lot of these people saying, of course I'm a feminist, I'm pro-women. Being pro-women means you're a feminist. And that strikes me as odd because almost everybody is pro-women. I think that's the majority of people are are pro-women's rights, they're pro you know, uh, women having as as much as they can for themselves uh, as you would be for anybody, you know? Um, I think that that's a pretty common sentiment in today's day and age. And so if everybody who has that sentiment is feminist, then it means that most people are feminist. And at that point, what is the purpose in calling yourself that? The purpose in it should be to make some kind of change. You're, you're part of a group that's trying to, you know, that's trying to be proactive in, in creating a, a difference in society. So if all it takes to be feminist is to just think women should, you know, should have, uh, I don't know, equal rights, I guess, then uh, you don't have to do anything. You can literally just think that and go about your day. Like, to be an activist, to be a part of a group is to be actively trying to change something. And so, if you are a feminist activist, there is probably something that you're going about trying to do. Well, anybody who's labeling themselves, uh, labeling their activism as feminism is putting themselves under that umbrella. They're saying, this is what feminism is. And if one of those people decides to promote, let's say, an ideology that not all feminists necessarily agree with, well, they now run the risk of being grouped in with it. Now, when somebody says feminist, they're going to think about what that person who called themselves a feminist was standing for. And if you don't stand for that thing, then you're now trapped in the position of having to say, well, I'm a feminist, but I don't agree with her. Not all feminists think that. We all have our own separate things that we all think. Well, at that point, you've completely dissolved the label. The label's not helpful anymore. It's a broad catch-all for a bunch of different things that a bunch of different people believe, 
that could all have their own labels. You could make up something new, or you could just explain your beliefs with no label. There's no need to have shorthand. What conversation is there that's worth having that utilizes this shorthand? That is something I would like to know. Ponder that one for a while. Like, what conversation is worth having that isn't worth just having about the ideas without the labels attached? The concept of what is happening. Feminism fell into this trap where it became unpopular for people to even call themselves that because they don't want to have to clarify all this shit. And I think in a broad sense, most of us understand Feminism is is a bigger blanket category that's been around forever. It is more or less just like, you know, women's rights activism in general. I think that's fair. It's a term that's been around long enough to have some staying power. Uh, I don't think that the idea of, you know, you calling yourself a feminist is going to, like, offend the average person when they realize that, oh, that must mean you believe the same thing this person believes. I think it's only, like, extremists on the internet who give a shit, either way. Uh, And the same goes for Antifa and the people who they are against, which is, I don't know, I guess fascists of, of all denomination, whoever that happens to be. So, with Antifa, I have only ever heard of this group in the context of them getting into fights in public. That is it. And I'm telling you this as somebody who does not follow any news outlets at all. I do not get any news to my house. I only see stuff when it happens to be on my Twitter feed. And I don't even see this kind of stuff on my Twitter feed. I hear about it from other people talking about it from having seen it on their Twitter feed. So I basically am completely fucking in the dark when it comes to most news. So all I've ever heard about Antifa is there are a bunch of guys who get into fights with other groups in in random places. Wherever fascism rallies, Antifa is there to swing in and be the the opposing force to them. Um and they do they they have their own rallies sometimes and sometimes they they're the ones getting attacked and they have to just defend themselves you know it's just a faction basically that's the way i perceive it and that's the way a lot of people perceive it that's the way it's being marketed by the news that's the way society is bringing it to us like i as somebody who's as distant from all of it as possible not really getting any one direct source This is how it comes to me, eventually, is, yeah, gang of protesters getting into fights with people. So, you have to imagine that the majority of people probably feel this way. You know, I'm not somebody who's on any particular side. Like, you describe to me something like the Proud Boys, that is the stupidest sounding thing I have ever heard in my life. Sounds like a bunch of fucking morons, a bunch of crazy people. Like, even just the fact that they're calling themselves the Proud Boys, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So, you know, I'm not on their side, obviously. I think that sounds ridiculous. I don't. I literally don't know anything they stand for other than they're, they're bad dudes who also start fights. And they're, uh, they're weird assholes who call themselves Proud Boys, because that's fucking ridiculous. So, you know, that, that's the level of my perspective on what's going on. Um... So my response to Ben in this initial tweet 
is based on that perception of Antifa as weird, roving gang, right? And I quickly realized through the responses to my tweet and Ben's that there's a huge difference in the ways that different people perceive this group. And it's not because of what political side they're on. It's not because of what information has been fed to them by whatever group they're a part of. It's just a part of the way that labels get disseminated into culture, the way that they spread, the way that the idea of a label spreads. Because there's plenty of people, plenty of people on the left, plenty of people who are anti-fascism who think the same thing about Antifa that I do. And like... I wouldn't put myself necessarily on the left. I certainly am not on the right. I have people on both sides constantly chirping into my ear about bullshit. But this is still the perception I've come away with, and it seems to be the perception a lot of people have. So with Ben's initial tweet defending Antifa, there was a lot of backlash. There were a lot of commenters that were like, you're being ridiculous. You're a fucking idiot. But there was also a lot of likes on his post, plenty of retweets, lots of people who are into the message of it. So clearly those people are pro-Antifa. There wasn't really much to glean from why people were anti-Antifa who were responding to Ben. Then we get to my reply. My reply also has a lot of likes and a lot of retweets, even more than Ben's. However, the people who responded to me who were not happy with what I said, they had much more interesting answers because they were saying things like Antifa, the, the long and short of the response I got was that Antifa is not a group, that it is just a label for anybody who is performing anti-fascism. And as soon as people started saying that, I was like, why in the fuck would you call that Antifa? Why would you label that with this label that is so toxic already? I have no doubt, based on just a little bit I've seen of people sending me stuff from Twitter, that the Proud Boys versus Antifa conflict that just recently happened is 100% manufactured. I thought that the second I even heard about it, because I think that about every single one of these conflicts. They are all manufactured. They're all an attempt to get the media to pay attention to the central figures of the conflict. There's a lot of different reasons. There's money involved on a lot of different levels. There's fame involved for people who want that. And it keeps these two names out in the ether. It keeps this battle going. This battle for the soul of America is how they, they want to present it when it's like just a bunch of like really fucking weird Twitter people out like costume dancing in the street and beating each other up so that they can get published. Like it's fucking bizarre. All of it strikes me as really gross and fucking strange. But I also believe that the people who started the conflict in this case were the 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 so-called fascists but they were doing it not really to send a political message they were doing it to get antifa to fight them they want to start fights they want to have an enemy group who they can make look violent that's their purpose their purpose is to say antifa is violent that is the only thing they want 
Because if they can say that, then they can say leftists are violent. That the hardcore left is every bit as violent as the hardcore right. That, which, you know, I don't even know how violent the hardcore right would be if not for the fact that they're trying to manufacture conflicts like this. Like, this is just what they're trying to do. There's people trying to manufacture conflicts so that they can create the image that the other side is violent. And they want that to be the takeaway. Because violence is always crossing a line. We all understand that. We grew up in, you know, a post-Martin Luther King America where violence was not the answer. Violence never will be the answer. It never should be the answer. It's not to say that it can't ever be the answer, but it should never be the answer. There should always be another way. should always be a nonviolent solution. Of course, a lot of people already listening to this are going to be typing furiously about how that's not fucking true. But, you know, that's what I believe. I believe in nonviolent solutions. I believe in pacifism. So, you know, Antifa being portrayed as violent is the goal. And the only reason that that goal can be achieved is that there is the premise of a leftist extremist group called Antifa. If you took the name away from it, there's nothing left. Because the way that it's being pitched to me on Twitter by the people who are pro-Antifa is that essentially what this is, is that a bunch of assholes came into their city and started fucking shit up. And these guys, the Antifa guys, are just trying to stop a bunch of assholes from fucking up their city. And I'm like, okay, that's reasonable and that's cool. Coalition of dudes trying to fucking take back... The town from these assholes? Yeah, sounds great. Except that every time you see a picture of Antifa, it's a bunch of people in all black with bandanas on their face who are like, who look like they're in a uniform. And maybe this is just the way it's being presented. Maybe not as much of Antifa is even dressed that way as as they make it look. Maybe they're just, this is just propaganda from the other side. All I know is that if I saw footage of what looked like a bunch of regular people coming over to stop some heinous thing that was going on, then I would be like, okay, good, the bad guys were stopped. But when, like, a weird gang of people in, like, matching outfits come out to be the counterforce of this conflict, it's like, at best, this is, like, some weird um, vigilante fucking troop or something like which is not even a good look in itself you know uh, not to say that vigilantes can't be the good guy you know in, in a situation like this but it's just like it's very strange to see this and see this promoted as like a good thing and like in the conversation on twitter this guy was like uh well you know what am i supposed to not wear a bandana i have to hide my identity and i'm like why i don't i don't get that part is that just to protect your job like you have a right to protest you have a right to be i mean like are you just protecting your identity because you expect you're going to attack someone um you know well i mean don't attack them if it's not in self-defense like or if they're not attacking somebody you shouldn't be attacking them anyway i just don't get why the fucking face masks are necessary i don't understand the need for anonymity in a case of something like this other than i mean maybe the other side will target you more specifically i guess 
I mean, you're out there to protest. You're out there to fucking make a stand. You know, like showing your identity would I I would think would be more powerful of a stance. But yeah, I mean, if you have a bunch of guys dressed in black wearing bandanas over their faces, it looks like a fucking club. It looks like a group. And when that group has a name that people are choosing to identify themselves as, that they are proud to call themselves Antifa, then anything that falls under the umbrella of that name is going to be attributed to everybody using the name. That is just the way it works. That is what labels do. People are not going to sit there and listen to your nuanced argument about how, oh, well, actually... You know, Antifa may have some radical people in it who, you know, who resort to violence, but mostly it's peaceful protest and all this shit. And it's like, okay, then drop the name and call your peaceful protest something else. Just call it what it is. Just call it like an anti-fascism rally. It doesn't have to be an Antifa rally because Antifa is the group that has the reputation. Anybody can have an anti-fascism rally. That's just regular people doing a rally about a thing they care about. It's not Antifa, it's a group of people who are not about fascism. And I know this distinction is really hard for a lot of people to get, but, like, optics is everything in the cultural battle. It's everything. All that matters is how you come off to regular people, because you're trying to make a difference. And if you want to make a difference, you have to reach a fuckload of people. It's not about reaching other people with similar ideologies to you and hanging out in a fucking internet hug box and patting each other's back over how cool you are for being anti-fascist. You have to reach beyond that. You have to affect the other side. And if it's very easy for the other side to just portray you as a bunch of fucking lunatics who get into fights with people and wear face masks, you know, like, then... That's the image that they're going to give you. And it's not that I necessarily think Antifa is, like, that insane, but, like, every everything I've ever seen out of any of these conflicts has looked like madness. Like, total fucking madness. And there's an amazing video by Don Jolly, who I've been promoting a lot lately, who uh, talked about... He has a video called Be the Spectacle, where he talks about just the way that... Um, everything in these conflicts is manufactured to create great newsworthy moments and how like in the thick of what was going on in this latest event, there was just absolute fucking insanity going on. There's a bunch of people in banana costumes dancing around. There's fucking hammers being thrown. There's like just all this dramatic, bizarre, insane shit going on because that's the good story. And you can't, you can't fight back against that and come out being able to manage the narrative. Like, you have to recognize the conflict that you're a part of is bigger than, you know, hateful people in the streets just doing hate for no reason, just being fascists. There's a grander plan. There's a master stroke behind whatever they're doing. Whoever is organizing this, whoever has the capability to put you know, to put together an event where hundreds of people converge on one place, that is high level. That requires some kind of communication. That requires some level of, you know, some level of system in place. Some of the people who were talking to me were telling me that Antifa is not a group, that there is no leader, there are no, you know, there's no factions, but like, 
for there to even be 20 people on a street block wearing the same outfit, there is an organization. It could just be some Discord server of kids from that town who are, you know, considering themselves like an anti-facel. Not even necessarily that they take orders from anybody, just they are anti-fascist and they're going to live to that credo. Like, that's still a group. And that still gets labeled. And that still has all the same problems. Here's the label that I want people to start adopting. If you really need a label. Normal fucking person. Make a t-shirt that says normal fucking person on it. And just go around. If anybody asks you who you are. What do you stand for? I'm a normal fucking person. That's what I am. What I stand for. That can be a long laundry list of things I can tell you about. But the most powerful thing that you can be is a normal fucking person. Because normal fucking people are the ones who run the world. Normal fucking people want to hear from normal fucking people about how to better be a normal fucking person. They don't want to hear about how to be some weird fucking radical. They don't want to hear of any word that ends with ist or ism. They don't want to hear any of this shit. They just want to be a normal fucking person. How do I achieve that best? Well, let me tell you, you know, uh, in a, in, in, if I'm not even going to say if, if a fascist takes over, here's what happens to a normal fucking person. Just describe like what it is like when that happens. You don't have to use that word. You can just describe like, oh, if somebody were to take over and they were to implement this and that rule, here's what that would mean for you. And here's who wants to do that. You know, it's not, oh, this guy's a fascist. Donald Trump's a fascist. It's like Donald Trump wants to do this. And here's how that will affect you. You know, that's how you, that's how you talk to normal fucking people without all the labels, with all the baggage, all the identity, all the bullshit. And that's another thing, is that the reason people want these labels so badly is that people want identity. Like, that's something that just we inherently crave. Like, people just want to be able to identify themselves. They want to be able to say, like, this is who I am. This is what I stand for. And a label is just, like, a really easy way to do that. It's like, yeah, I'm Antifa. Boom. Like, you know about me. You know what I care about. You know what I'm upset about. And, like, What these labels do is they get people thinking very emotionally in a bad way because you identify as your label. And so if somebody's attacking your label, they're attacking you. They are, you know, when you feel like, oh, fuck this guy, how dare he insinuate that Antifa is like McDonald's when I myself identify with Antifa, that motherfucker, you know? But, like, immediately when that happens, conversation is gone. Conversation is completely leapt out the window. There is no conversation to be had anymore. And a lot of people don't seem to give a fuck. Like, a lot of people seem to think that the conversation doesn't fucking matter. They're just like, oh, the other guys are just stupid, and they they just believe dumb shit, and they just need to be stopped. They just need to be fucking killed. They just gun them down. You know, fuck the other side. It's like, you can't do that. So, how about coming back to the conversation table? Like, how about we, we put away the, you know, the, um, I can't, like, I, I thought your whole point was that you're supposed to be an activist. You're supposed to be changing fucking people's minds, doing something actively. Get out there and have conversations with people who disagree with you. And there's a lot of people who are good about that. I'm not going to, like, you know, I'm not going to shit on everybody, especially not on the left. I think they're great about it. I think there's lots of leftists who will come out and will have a conversation, and they're real interested. They come to you like a fucking Jehovah's Witness every Tuesday, and they're like, have you heard the good word about Vouch yet? You know, like, they really want to sell you, and that's fine. Those guys are great. 
I would say that, you know, I've effectively had my mind changed about many things from calm approach by reasonable people who, you know, it's obvious that they do identify with the thing, but they're trying their hardest not to be offended because it's not like you did anything. It's not like you fucking hurt somebody. You just have a different opinion. It's okay. I can deal with that. I can make it through the different opinions so that I can, you know, maybe if I fucking talk to him enough, he seems like a reasonable guy. Maybe I can make this work. But no, more likely you're just like, what the fuck did you just say, you dumb motherfucker? I will kill you off of my Twitter. You are going to block me and I'm going to feel so good. I'm going to jack my dick. I'm going to mention it in my Twitter bio. Holy fucking shit. I'm fucking tired of this shit. I'm tired of this fucking society. I'm sick of it. Fucking done. I'm fucking done with this fucking planet of fucking people. All of you piss me off so fucking much. Everybody. On every level. Is such a fucking failure. That I. Can't get any fucking weed. All I want is some fucking weed. Is it too much to ask? And if so, why? What could possibly be anyone's incentive for standing between me and weed? What do you want from me? I'm offering you money. I'll drive an hour. I'll do whatever it takes. Why are you keeping it from me? What? What is your goal? What do you hope to achieve? Just give me the fucking weed. Or give me a burrito past 10 from somewhere other than Taco Bell. Can you give me that? Can I just get a fucking burrito at 2 in the morning? Or even 10 o'clock at night from somewhere that's not Taco Bell? Every fucking time. (sighs) Look. I can't remember a time when I felt like anything around me made any sense. At all. Never. Some people go through that period of childhood when everything's normal and they fit in like a regular person, and then something happens. They get weird. They drift away. It wasn't like that for me. Never did I understand. Why? Why do people make the decisions they do? Why is society structured the way that it is, and why is nobody questioning it at all? Where do people pick up the blueprint? Where do you find the script? Who sits you down and tells you, To do it all this way. Does everybody's parents manage to do that except for mine? Are my parents the only parents who never set, never set any social expectations? Or was it just that I didn't listen to them? Was it just me? Am I the only insane one? Am I the one who just decided I knew better than everybody else and did things my own way and it fucking came back to bite me? I don't understand 
how everybody just goes through their day-to-day life totally complicit in the way things are and not even making the slightest fucking attempt to deviate in any way that would benefit them. And I know, I know I can't really blame anybody because I know the heart of the matter is that they just don't even fucking think about it. People just don't think about it. They don't think about what could be. They don't consider what other options might exist. They don't, you you don't know what you don't know. It's an unknown unknown. People are just walking around with no fucking idea of any possibility other than the one that they've been exactly told exists. They're just doing exactly what they're told. And it takes so little to break away from that. And yet, somehow, nobody does. I guess it's like seeing Cthulhu. Like, when in my childhood did I see Cthulhu? Because clearly it happened. My perception on everything, my, my insight level is fucking spiked, okay? I'm going into frenzy every fucking week. That's why I'm doing these fucking podcasts. That's what the Whirling Dervish really is. It's me going frenzy, like in Bloodborne, because my insight is too fucking high. And every time I see even anything, any little monster running around, I'm just like, what the fuck is that? What the fuck is that and why? Because everybody else sees it, and they just see... Like, one of those little fucking things from Princess Mononoke, the little, like, uh, vibrating head thing. That's what you see, but I see that that thing is, like, attached. It's like the toenail of some gigantic fucking Cthulhu beast, and they're everywhere! That's what it feels like. Because I can't rationalize that no one else seems to be feeling this way. No one else is walking around going like, Hey, I can't help but notice that uh, nothing makes sense at all or fits my needs in any way. How can it be that weed is still not legal on a federal level in the United States? Why have we not risen up and burned the White House to the fucking ground? Why have we not dismantled our country from the from the top down over this injustice I, i'm not even going to go into any arguments i don't give a fuck i really don't care just 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 tear it all down it's not fucking worth it it's not worth preserving you know i i said once i said once about psychopaths that uh that you know it was really the mature decision was to not destroy the civil system because it may not be the ideal system, but it was the it was the best idea they had at the time, and you shouldn't just recklessly destroy it until you have a better idea ready to go. Fuck that. Recklessly destroy it all. Burn it all the fuck down. Lawlessness. Way of the land. I don't care. Fucking... <sighs> Let's go back to Mad Max times. The historical period of Mad Max times. <laughs> Let's go back to that. It would be better than this! It would be way better! Because all the decision making you'd have to do is... Oh shit, I better stay away from that nigga. Or, 
I'm gonna motherfucking kill that nigga right there. That's it. That's all the decision making you have to make in the Mad Max world. I just, I just want, I just want, I just want some weed because, you know, the first time I had it, truly accessible to me was when I went to Portland back in 2017, two whole summers ago, and I was able to purchase an eighth of an ounce for $15. Now, I could not have possibly understood at the time how cheap that was. An eighth for $15 is a can be a fourth of what it costs on the I guess black market. It costs $50 for an eighth normally when you're buying it illegally. And when I was in Portland, it was very obvious that everybody there was smoking pot. Everybody. Everybody's smoking. And they're having a good time. Makes you feel good. Get home from work. Ah, my fucking body. (sighs) All right, I'm going to bed. You know? existential dread uh all right well whatever it's not a fucking big deal i'm gonna go jack off can't get hard Uh, i'm going to bed don't even have to jack off you get knocked out by the weed it's like a miracle cure-all for the ailment of living on planet earth and While I was there, I and the people I was staying with, we were all smoking continually. I made a whole album in a week. A whole album. Me and one other person together managed to create, like, we already had four songs finished. So, you know, they made eight beats and I wrote eight songs and performed them, mastered them, completed an album in the span of a week getting high every single fucking day. We weren't even recording or doing any of the music making high. We would make the song and then celebrate by getting high. It's, it was, and then we'd record some real weird shit once we were high, you know, do some like weird freestyles and all that kind of dumb shit. And it was such a great time. And then when I came back, when I lived in Rochester, I had an easy connection. Um, and even then, it was so fucking frustrating because it was so expensive and it was so difficult to just get it that day because drug dealers are unreliable because they're not a store. But stores are unreliable because stores all operate on the same fucking hours. Everybody just decided, oh, fucking, uh, well, we all get to sleep the same way. None of us has fucking chronic insomnia or uh, a sleep cycle that doesn't correlate to 24-hour days. So, fuck it. Even though, like, there's a, a, a raging problem of lack of sleep in our society causing 
no shortage of issues with productivity and suicide rates and depression. Never mind that. Let's just rigidly hold everything to the exact same standard, open all stores for the same hours. You know, nothing, nothing's ever going to be alternative. Nothing's ever going to represent the needs of anything other than the most standardized baseline. But why? You know, through this podcast, I've made it clear that I consider myself a, 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 a supporter of capitalism. And it's because I think that there is an idealized form of capitalism that would be the perfect way for things to work. But as it stands right now, all it seems to be in most people's mind is chase biggest profit margin possible. And I don't understand why. Like, I don't understand how that is considered to be what capitalism is. Because that doesn't make any sense. Because what it should be is benefit myself to the greatest extent possible. And that does not mean the same thing as make as much money as possible. Countless studies, countless reports have talked about how making too much money is a problem for people's mental health. Because it either turns you into a workaholic who is always busy and has no time to actually enjoy your money, or... It just turns you into a weird, like, paranoid, miserable fuck who's constantly, you know, concerned about their money. There were studies saying that the most that you can make and still be happy is $70,000 a year per dependent. That makes perfect sense to me. $70,000 a year for one person individually is enough that you can comfortably live in a house, in the suburbs, in a good place, go out to eat whenever the fuck you feel like, take regular trips to wherever the fuck you feel like, and not have to worry about your bills, you can make major purchases when you need to, build a good home theater setup in the span of a year probably, uh, you know, get any kind of computer parts you needed. Like, if I was living by myself and making 70 grand a year, which I make more than that, but I didn't start making that much till... After I took on a dependent, so, you know, now I need more to, to have this exact status I'm describing. But if I was making 140 k a year, I would stop there. My goal would not be to go much higher than that. Maybe once I had a kid, I would consider trying to go to another height. But, like, that would be because the trade-off I'm feeling is that it's worthy... It's worth it for me to work harder because I care more about the kids' well-being than about my own well-being. It's not about me having the most fun possible. It's about me making sure my kid has the best future possible. And even in that case, it just means the amount I'd be spending on myself would be less than it would have been when I was single because I just don't have as much time for myself. So, you know, I'm not single, but before I had a kid, you know what I mean. It's like there's no need to chase the greatest amount of money possible. What you should be ch chasing is the highest level of happiness possible. And in doing that, your best goal is not to try to appeal to as many people as possible with your business. It should be to appeal to the number of people that you need to in order to have a profit margin that you are happy and comfortable with. So, 
I see the way that everything is structured. And what it necessitates is if you want the highest profits possible, you have to appeal to the biggest category of people possible. But the problem is that there is no giant category of people. If you want the, in my opinion, the most emblematic example of this, it is what we consider attractive. Because almost no, nobody feels the exact same people are attractive. Like, we have these these ideas in our head of, like, what society deems to be, like, a perfect body for both a man and a woman. And yet, I have met so few people who consider that to be what they are the most attracted to. Almost everybody has some kind of particular thing that they're into. That they, you know, they're not looking for that generic ideal. That generic ideal just appeals to the most people. But that might be, like, 20% of people. It might be that 20% of people think that this is the most attractive, but that the next best only appeals to 5% of people. And so, because the 20% is so much bigger than the 5%, if everybody's chasing the maximum amount of capital, they're all going to pitch to that same 20%. And it creates this view amid everybody that that is what the majority likes. The majority must like this thing because that's why it's being made to appeal to us. But it's not the majority. It's a minority that's bigger than all the other minorities. And so, in the end, because everything is being built around appealing to the biggest minority, nothing appeals to fucking anybody except for the small categories of people. So you can't get anything you fucking want in this world. Nothing you want is ever being made for you. Unless some psycho like me comes along who's like, hey, I don't give a fuck about reaching the majority. I don't give a fuck about even reaching the biggest minority I could. I'm only trying to reach enough people to pay the fucking bills and to get to a restaurant and to afford to buy weed. That's all I want in life. That's it. I don't want a nice car. I hate cars. I don't want a house any better than the one I live in. Maybe when I have a kid, maybe, honestly, the kid would have to grow up for this house to be fucking not big enough for them. I pay $1,400 a month in rent. Not a huge amount. The house is a a big, beautiful, one-story house in a nice suburb in a great city that I love. I have no complaints about my living situation. The only thing my money would be going towards if I made more is getting more equipment, a better home setup. I want to have more, more convenience. Like, and we're talking about on a level where like, you know, the next purchases in my future are things like buying a home media server and like, you know, stuff that's like high level. Cause I already got a lot of the stuff I need. I don't need that much. All that would make me truly, truly happy is if I could eat out after 10 o'clock every night at whatever place I wanted to, and if I had easy access to weed. Because all I want to do is smoke and eat and hang out with my fiancé and be in my nice fucking house. Why is it that half of the shit I want to do is not accessible to me unless I wake up in the day, which I don't want to do, and I can't keep a consistent sleep schedule because my brain is fucking broken? I'm fucking sick of it!